When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is Shinigami. People call him an emo rapper. I don't know how much I agree with that because he's not really a rapper. I think he does something a lot more interesting than just rap, but whatever. I'll let everyone on the internet debate what label to call him. What The reason I wanted to have him on is because I just think that he really embodies everything that I find inspiring and interesting about the new wave of DIY artists. He's 20 years old, he's got a million listeners on Spotify, and he does it all himself. I mean, self-produced, self-distributed, he makes all his own content. I mean, he is the new version of DIY. And the reason I wanted to have him on is to just unpack how he thinks about all this stuff, because even though on the internet he portrays himself as kind of like a I don't know, basically a weird <laughs> dumbass, I guess you would say. He's actually a really sharp, thoughtful guy, and he's got a lot to say, so I wanted to do my best to get all that out of his head and into this podcast so you guys can take something away from it. Before I get into all that, first, I wanted to mention a few ways that you can support the show if you like it. Number one is you can buy some merch. There's a link to that in the description. Number two is you can support us on Patreon if you want. It is because of the support of patrons that we're able to do this show. Number three, you can share it on social media and tag us. Tag me, Finn McKenty, and also our producer and editor, Deanna Chapman. Share it on social media. That would help us a lot. Leave us a review. So if you like the show, those are a few different ways that you can support it. And also, speaking of our producer and editor, if you have a podcast that you want to get started or maybe you already have a podcast that you're doing and you just want to do it bigger and better, give her a shout. Her name is Deanna Chapman. She is an amazing expert on all things podcasts. She'll help you out. There's a link to her site in the show notes. And with that out of the way, let's get into it. Well, thanks uh, so much for doing this. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be on here, too. I've been uh, watching your videos for a while. And then I remember I was watching the video about the sad boy pop punk thing. And you just like said all my friends names. And I was like, whoa, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, a few of you guys have reached out to me after that, which made me really happy because, you know, it's important to me that I'm not just talking to other old people. So the fact that, you know, some of you guys are watching makes me really happy. Yeah, Fatsy also really likes your videos too. Like I remember we were watching them like I uh, had gone there like a year ago and he was like, dude, have you ever heard of this guy? Like, and he showed me your videos and then I started watching after that. And like, I don't know, because I feel like when it comes to like music, YouTube channels, like a lot of the times I don't necessarily agree with people's takes on things a lot but like i feel like your takes especially like our genre is like the best one i've seen like the most like i don't know you're like you hit the nail on the head for sure well you know i never want to be the like old person that is writing off what the younger generation is doing because i've just seen it happen so many times and every single time the old people are wrong and end up looking stupid like yeah seven years later and I just don't want to be like, even if, you know, I don't like everything new, but I'm not going to be the guy to, you know, get up on my soapbox and talk about how terrible it is compared to the stuff I liked when I was their age. So, you know, I try to at least understand it. And I think what you guys are all doing and, and you know, like in that video, I kind of broke it up because I think, you know, I would put you guys like you and 93 and Fatsy in a in a different bucket than I would a lot of the you know like I wouldn't say you guys are really related to trap metal necessarily yeah like kind of sort of but not really you know yeah it all I feel like came definitely from the same place like I remember probably back in like 2015 uh, around that time is when I got into like the underground SoundCloud stuff and before that um I was like super into like metalcore pop punk and then like edm and then i found bones and it was the first time i heard like that blend of like just rock and hip-hop in a way that was like not corny you know what i mean because i feel like <laughs> dude that was always so bad before that yeah because like I, I i was never into like limp biscuit or like any of that stuff like i remember my uncles kind of liked it but i was just like man this is kind of cheesy like i don't know but that was the first time i heard the two things being kind of spun together in a way I've never heard before. And I fell in love with it like instantly. And then Bones also had like a side project called Surrender Dorothy, where he was singing on guitar, sampled beats. And like, that's when I heard that for the first time. So I think it all kind of comes from the same few sources of inspiration. But I think now that it's been such a long time since it's you know the genre has been developing and becoming you know kind of trailing off into different things that like now people kind of have their own lanes that all stemmed from that area and i've noticed that the like rock people are starting to accept like scar lord and ghost main and suicide boys but they're still not on board with uh you and gucci and you know lotus and all that so maybe one of these days yeah i think it's one of those things where i think it's definitely people kind of see it as like oh, it's just a bunch of, you know, whining with the auto-tune and, like, whatever. I could definitely, like, understand that. And I I could understand yeah. why, like, the trap metal thing would be kind of accepted first. But I think that, like, at least speaking for, like, you know, my friends and, like, the people that I know, I think that, like, f- like whatever it kind of started as, I don't think it really matters as much at this moment because I think that, like, we're all, like, making really good music that's, like, pushing it forward. And I think that that, like will get like get us a little bit more respect than we have now just because instead of like you know it'd be really easy to just continue just doing stuff on like guitar beats and whatever but i feel like a lot of people i know are like pushing things 
in a direction that people might not expect, I think it'll be a lot more well-received than some of the earlier stuff. Well, that's what's exciting about it to me is like, I I feel like what you guys and your friends are doing, like it's changing every couple months. Yeah. It's like what you guys were doing six months ago, you're not doing that anymore. Yeah. And that's exciting to me because I like things that are like new and different. And sometimes things, you know, sometimes experiments work out, sometimes they don't. But, you know, that's, that's what I'm into is just like new, different creativity, experimentation. And, and right now I feel like, you know, you guys are embodying that more than any other like current group of musicians that I'm aware of. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. I I think this like speaking for myself, at least from when I first started making music, I was just always kind of all over the place where it's just like, I would do something for a week. And then I'm like, ah, man, I'm sick and tired of this. Like I need to do something else, you know? And I feel like for a while, I I think at the beginning, it was uh, not the smartest decision that I could have made at that time, because if I would have continued to just do what I knew people liked, things probably could have grown faster. But I have that like, fuck you mindset. Like, I'm going to just do whatever I want. If you were the guy to just give people what you want, then you wouldn't be who you are. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of just kept throwing shit at the wall and I still do, you know, but I feel like now with the amount of stuff that I've tried, you know, because every time I try something new, I feel like I learn a new skill or something that I can kind of like add to my body armor, you know, and then I could kind of implement that in a way that hasn't been done before by taking, you know, inspiration from this, this, and this, and kind of pulling it all together into something that's just new and different. And like, that's like my goal right now, at least. And I feel like that's like the goal of a lot of my friends too. Well, what I wanted to get into on this show is to kind of unpack a little bit about how you think, because I use you as an example a lot, like you and and Johnny from Bill Murray are two of the examples I use all the time of like how I would advise people to think right now, whether you're a band or even if like you're a company, just because you guys, to me, are doing all the right things for the environment that we live in now. So I just kind of wanted to explore a little bit about how you think about this stuff, because, you know, maybe people heard your music or seen you on social media, like you might seem like just a weirdo, but it seems like you actually have a pretty good head for this stuff. And, yeah. And it, it seems like you're pretty thoughtful about it. So I was just looking on Spotify here and you have like 1.1 million listeners now. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. It's definitely crazy because I, I honestly never saw it getting to this point like at all, you know, because I just always thought that this type of music was going to be way too weird, you know, for it to kind of go I never thought I was even going to be living off of music, you know, like that. And that really wasn't my goal. I just kind of wanted to make stuff that I liked. And I was just like, all right, well, you know, if I like it, that's what matters the most. And if other people like it, like, that's great. You know what I mean? So I'm like very thankful that like it was able to go this way. And like I've been able to get to this point with like pretty much no help. I mean, like I don't have management, like I don't have a booking agent. I'm not signed. I do everything, you know, like I've record everything in my room, uh, produce most of my own stuff. A lot of times I'll make the cover art or just get a commission from somebody that I like, you know, and a lot of the merch design, like I made like a pair of sweatpants that like all my friends wear all the time. And like (laughs) I hand drew them like on my iPad. So yeah, definitely like have had the DIY mindset. You know, I feel like it's definitely helped me get to the point where I am now just having like just being resilient, you know, and just like, you know, cause there's always going to be times where like, just the way I am is just like, 
I want to quit or I want to stop or like, man, I need to take a break and like this and that. And I think, you know, breaks are definitely necessary, but I think that doing the DIY thing definitely helps you build thicker skin to when things like get to a bigger level, you can handle it. I don't know. I feel like it's almost like you have to pay your dues in a way. For sure. And it, it teaches you, you know, I'm, I know that you've had offers for management and labels and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it puts you in a position where you can say, all right, well, what can you do for me that I'm not already doing for myself? And I'm sure eventually somebody will come along with an offer that makes sense for you. But can you talk about like why you have chosen to to turn those down so far? I think for the most part, for me personally, is I don't want to work with somebody that isn't in a better position than I am. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't want to just work with some somebody that's like, doesn't have any industry connects that can, you know, help me get things that I can't because I don't have those connections. You know what I mean? And I don't want to be paying somebody because at the end of the day, that's what it is, is you're, you're paying, you know, there's managers take a percentage. It's like, I don't want to have to pay somebody to do something that I know I can do. And the business manager. Yeah. And the publishing company, you know, it's like by the end of the day, at the end of the day, out of every dollar, you get 15 cents or something. Yeah. And like, I'm definitely open to the idea of like management and having a team because I know that like my feelings on the whole like underground independent thing is that like I feel like at a certain point you can kind of hit a threshold and like for me I'm just like I've recently just had the mindset of like I want to take it as far as I possibly can um but I'm not willing to sacrifice like my dignity for that so I'll I'll keep waiting until you know like the right opportunity comes because you know, if somebody really wants to work with you that, you know, everybody's going to have to make compromises and like, I'm going to have to make compromises. Like that's what you're going to have to do as a musician, which like I'm okay with. Um, as long as the opportunities that, you know, the management or whoever will bring me is, is valuable to me. It's kind of like Gary Vaynerchuk always says, like the person who can hold their breath the longest wins, which I think is a good way of looking at it. Like, you know, if you, if you like think about what managers are going to approach you when you have a million listeners versus when you had 15,000. Yeah. You know, the, the quality of people who are approaching you now is on another planet, I'm sure. Yeah. And the longer you can hold out, the better you're going to get. Yeah. I think that's definitely the best way to go about doing it. Just like I said, you know, you don't want to work with somebody because I'm sure you've heard stories and like I've seen things happen where just people just kind of get fucked, you know, and it sucks because or let themselves get fucked by signing things they didn't read. That's the big thing that I try to push and like explain to people, especially like to like my fans and stuff and to people that are making music is that like I feel like a lot of the industry has a bad name because people are just like dumb, you know, that they they don't get it read by a lawyer. They, obviously, you know, I'm not going to act like I could read a contract and understand what they're saying because I can't. But you can talk to a lawyer who will help you understand it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a lot of people are not taking it to lawyers and they're just like, oh, oh they're throwing money at me. So I'm just going to take the deal. And then then they complain on fucking Instagram and Twitter and like, man, fuck right. my label. Like, well, you signed for that, you know, like. And if you signed a bad deal, I'm sorry that I understand like that's rough, but. It's the world we live in. Yeah, nobody you know, like you, held like, held you at gunpoint and made you sign yeah. that paper. <laughs> like, well, so tell me, how long have you actually made your full time living off of this? Like two, three years now. Since I graduated high school, August after I graduated high school, I got my first like decent Spotify check. Because at that time, I did not have. And how old are you now? Twenty one. I'm twenty. Okay. Yeah. So when I was in high school and stuff, I just like didn't do anything. I just didn't. I didn't, I never even took a PSAT or like a college essay, like none of that. 
stuff. And um, I remember my parents, like after I graduated, they were like, all right, well, you need to get a job and you need to like sign up for community college or like you got to like go. And I was like, um, all right. So I was just and I didn't even know, you know, I was just kind of hoping and praying because like I was seeing the like checks like increase, you know, first it was like twenty five dollars, you know, and I was like, yes, I can go buy McDonald's, you know, <laughs> like, right. and then, um, you know, slowly it kind of went up. And then by the, you know, that summer I got my first one that was decent. And I was just like, I kind of made a deal with my parents. I was like, if I like give you guys a certain amount of money a month, will you just like leave me alone and like let me make music? And they were like, yeah. So that's how it was for a while. And then I just moved into my own apartment um, in September. Dude, that's amazing. I mean, 20 years old and you've been making a living off of this for a while. I barely knew how to tie my shoes when I was 20. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I'm definitely like really grateful for it. And I feel like I kind of got lucky in a way because one thing I... I do know is that I was the first person I think in this whole like kind of group to like put music on Spotify because a lot of people used to be against it. I remember when I put my first album on Spotify, people called me a sellout. What were they against? Making money off music. As opposed to like SoundCloud? Is that where it was supposed to go? There was no SoundCloud monetization at that time. So like a lot of the like OG underground people were like, man, you know, you can't like make music for money, man. Like, you know, it's about the art and whatever. And like, I don't know, like I, I kind of always had the mindset from the beginning that I want this to be my job. So whatever I can do to help make that become a reality, like I'm going to do it, you know? So I put my stuff, my first album on Spotify, Luna, and like I got on a bunch of Spotify playlists and I'm going to be honest, I don't even know what they, what they were. Because like I wasn't even like concerned about Spotify at the time because it didn't really matter like as much as it does now. So I yeah. was focused on like how many plays am I getting on SoundCloud, which is really dumb in hindsight because they weren't paying me anything, you know? <laughs> well, but but it does matter because like SoundCloud is where the culture was. Yeah. And and to me, like that's an important part of this is understanding that, you know, it's not as simple as just like looking at one number. You have to understand that, yeah, this this number may be smaller, but it matters because that's a reflection of how much like the core of this community cares about me. Yeah, exactly. Tell me about like your mindset going into this, like the idea that you would make a full time living off of music that's as weird as as you make is <laughs> like, I mean, I, that's really inspiring to me that you know that you believed you could do it and that you believed you could do it all yourself talk about kind of like where was your head at when you're 17 or whatever and you made that decision and like why did you choose to do it yourself instead of a lot of bands i talked to like are trying to get managers and all that so i just i I guess i just want to understand like where are you coming from that you're like i have this goal and i'm actually going to do this all myself i mean especially for a 17 year old to like have that kind of vision to me is really interesting it's weird i just always kind of i'm not even gonna say that i like believed in myself because i definitely had a lot of self-doubt you know but but you did ultimately or else you wouldn't have gone with this something kind of changed around that time because when i was 17 that's when i first started making this type of music before that i was doing edm and then i was like rapping and making beats and sending beats out and like doing the producer grind thing that never went anywhere nobody ever used my beats you know so then I recorded my first song. I actually recorded it on an iPhone 4 in a voice memos. And then I sent, emailed it to myself and then auto-tuned it. <laughs> and it was it was a mess. But once I did that, um, I guess just like 
being able to actually put my thoughts out into a song that people can listen to and relate to and kind of understand me more than me just saying it, you know, kind of like putting that message out there because like I don't consider myself the best at like speaking, you know. So, but I do feel like when I write a song, like I'm able to convey my thoughts and emotions in a way that's definitely anybody can understand if they listen to it, you know. And once I was able to do that and like recognize that in myself, I think it gave me a lot of confidence because I just, it was just, it just felt different. It's just like really hard to describe, but it's just something just felt different. Cause before that, like music was just like, oh, it's just this fun thing. And like, you know, obviously like I wanted it to work out when I was doing EDM and when I was doing whatever, but like it never felt right. Like it never felt like this is a hundred percent me. It felt more like, oh, I'm making this dubstep song because I really like Skrillex and like I want to make a song like him. Or like I'm making right. this rap song because I really like Bones and I want to like sound like Bones. But then like one when I sang for the first time and like actually made a song about how I really felt, I was like, oh man, it's kind of game over. You know, and I I just hit the ground running from there and I just couldn't stop recording. Like even like to this day, it's just like I have like 70 unreleased songs just like <laughs> on my computer because I just record all the time. Like it's the only thing that like makes me happy. So I feel like that's another thing that kept me going is it's just like I was never really good at anything else growing up so it's just like the fact that i was able to excel at something was really and it still is really exciting to me and it gives me a lot of inspiration to kind of keep going because i really enjoy the process like i actually don't like dropping music as much as i like making music which a lot of people are like what but <laughs> yeah i i enjoy you know the hard parts of it like recording and writing and mixing and all that stuff way more than putting it out because then when i put it out it's like oh it's not mine anymore this is right going out to the world you know well what i love about that more than anything is that you worked with what you had you know that you recorded on a you said it was an iphone 4 yes an iphone 4 voice memo like as opposed to a lot of people that i talk to where you know they've got a home studio they just don't think it's good enough or they have, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm, I've been working on this album for six years, you know, and I'm, I'm going to put it out one of these days. And people like you and Johnny are like, oh, I made four songs this week. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this isn't the best recording ever of the vocals, but it doesn't matter. Well, I think like, especially nowadays, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people actually don't even really care about the sound quality. They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. They, what they care about is if you're making something that they can feel and that they, they know is genuine and that they can relate to. And it doesn't matter if you recorded it through a fucking Neumann fucking thousand dollar mic or an iPhone. Like it doesn't matter as long as people can listen to it and they enjoy what you're doing. Like they're going to support it and you know, it'll work out. It doesn't really, that's like, like I've definitely like, you know, I've had friends in like high school and stuff be like, man, I really want to make music. You know, I got to save up so I can go to the studio or like I need to get this mic and like these monitors. And like, meanwhile, I was like, for the, I, I don't even have monitors in my room right now. I, I make everything with headphones, you know, because like I live in an yeah. apartment. So, I, you know, I, I'm sure I could get away with it. But it's just like also like I'm comfortable with what I have. Like I recently just got a Mac. I had like a shitty Windows for, you know, a while. And I recently just switched it because I was like, you know, like, I know that um, 
I started to get like blue screens on my other computer, and I was right, like, man, right. yeah, I, I probably should buy a new computer before. But you worked with what you had. You didn't. It's like I feel like it's just an excuse for people because really they're just like afraid to put stuff out or something. I don't know what it is, but it just I don't. I just don't have that part of my brain where like I stop and wait for things, and that's like a big thing that inspires me about like your scene is just that people are constantly putting shit out. And that's like a thing I want everybody to understand and hear. Like, you should put out 100 songs this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And if all you need is one of them to take off and you win and it could change your life. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like the way that the music scene and everything is kind of working at the moment, just because now making music is so accessible, there's just so much music coming out. So you have to kind of compete. Like, it's not a competition by any means, but it's like, Kinda, you have to just like keep reminding people like, hey, I just dropped a song. And then two weeks later, hey, I just dropped a song. You know what I'm saying? Just to keep people like excited and like talking and like, you know, cause it's just everybody's attention span is like garbage nowadays, you know? And like- For sure. And like a, a band putting out an album every year and a half, like what? I was just thinking about that um yesterday about how like the like normal like band album cycle used to be of like when I was- you know, fans of that, uh, fan of that music, like when I was a kid and how it'd be, you know, a band drops an album and then they don't drop any music until like two years after sometimes, or even like three. Yeah. Thinking about that now compared to today is like absurd, you know? It's crazy. Hey, you, do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, 
You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. The the other thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, which we were talking about a little bit earlier, is just kind of like your social media content, which I love. Like to me, that is, it's part of the whole thing. Like there's no difference to me between like the social content and the music. It's all like part of the same thing. Is that how you think about it or? In a way, yeah. I think that, Recently, what I've kind of discovered within myself and like what I feel like I'm good at and what I enjoy doing, because the way that I see it is um, I feel like a lot of people like shit on social media and they're like, oh, man, you know, it's like bad for your mental health and things like that. And like at a certain point, I did agree. But now I've kind of come to the realization that like social media just kind of accentuates the um, bad parts of the human brain that people don't really want to admit. You know, people don't want to admit that they want validation and they don't want to admit that you know, likes matter to them. Yeah. Like Instagram didn't make you insecure. You were already insecure. Instagram just revealed it. Exactly. So I kind of flipped that around uh, for myself to kind of turn it into something where I wanted to treat social media as something that like I enjoy doing, you know? So it's like my way of doing that is just like, you know, just posting really dumb pictures and then tweeting very incoherent things. Cause like, (laughs) I think it's like funny. I want people to think I'm like dumb. You know, cause it, yeah. it's just some, you know, cause I, like I, I was, um, I was uh, watching one of your videos and, you know, you were talking about how important like captions are and stuff. And like, I agree with that a lot. And it's just like, you know, what co- type of content would people rather, you know, take in somebody just tweeting, Hey guys, I have a song dropping on Friday or just right. a really stupid tweet that people are going to laugh at, make some smile and they might retweet it and like it, you know, right. that just ups the engagement. Cause like, one thing that I, I uh, started doing, I did it for one of my last songs, is I went on Cameo and I had Riff Raff and the guy from Guar shout out my song <laughs> because I knew that every time I just post like a video of the song and I'm like, hey, you know, it's dropping or whatever, it gets significantly less likes than like a picture of me. So I was like, okay, how, how can I like combat this and make it something memorable, something that people can laugh at or enjoy? And I just kind of found that and I did it and like it worked really well you know so like I, I'm constantly trying to think of like things like that and just like or um I made like a little iPhone movie with like one of my unreleased songs that was just like I slowed it down and then I just literally recorded me walking around the block in New York and just edited it all crazy and people really liked it you know just stuff like that where it's like you don't need the nicest pictures and like the red dragon camera like you you don't need any of that you know it's just like i think that people if people just were themselves and like if you know you're like a funny person or you think you're funny and you put that out there i feel like it it helps a lot than just being like another like run-of-the-mill 
I'm dropping a song or I'm going on tour or I'm playing a show. Right. Like, you know, the like typical press photo of like guys standing in front of like a warehouse. Yeah. Saying, you know, my album comes out next Tuesday. Like what makes you think in this world that anybody would give a shit about that? Yeah. No, nobody cares at all. It's just not interesting. You know, I, I think of like you and uh, Charlie XCX, I think, are, are kind of coming from a similar place of like you both have this like world in your head and every song that you put out or every piece of social content you come out come out with is like sort of bringing that world to life a little bit. Yeah, there was a certain point where I felt kind of a shift in in music and I feel like when you're when you're in it and you're making the music and you're a part of the community you know you can kind of see things start to happen a little bit sooner than the outside uh perspective of everything so i think there was a certain point where i was just kind of sick and tired of being like oh i'm gonna make another like emo song and like just whine and like whatever you know and i just i always really appreciated and valued artists that created worlds within their music and within their brand where you know because i i love like video games and shit like that and it's like my take on it was i wanted you to listen to my music and it feels like you're in a video game world or like a virtual world you know so once that kind of clicked in my head i had made a couple songs that were like kind of in that vein of like the cybernetic futuristic kind of stuff and then I kind of hit like a point where I was in a slump and like I couldn't record anything. So I kind of kept throwing stuff at the wall and I kept, you know, going back and forth from different sounds, but like I would always come back to that. And then in the summer is when I feel like I started to really just kind of like double down. And I was like, you know, I want the digital cybernetic thing to be my thing. And I want people to understand and be able to understand it through the music and through the visuals and music videos and all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, ever since that point, I've been kind of working towards it. And I feel like it kind of comes from a similar source of inspiration is when I was making my old music, like making the emo stuff, because it's like at that time, it was the first time around that age. I was like, yeah, like 16, 17. It was the first time I kind of experienced nostalgia Mm -hmm. playing Kingdom Hearts again. I bought a PS2 and I was listening to all these old bands and I was like, man, you know, I missed this so much and then made that. And then, you know, I kind of got over it after a while, but drawing from like a similar source of inspiration of like, I guess like the Y2K style. Yeah. Kind of like futuristic, nostalgic, like Jet Set Radio, Digimon kind of stuff. Right. I was like super into that when I was a kid. So once I was able to pull from that source of inspiration and like I would like literally just like for hours like look up like visuals that I felt like kind of related to what I was trying to do and I'd like put them all in a folder and I reached out to a bunch of like visual artists to get cover art made and stuff like that and and like you know then I started working on this album um and I feel like now it's all starting to tie together very well and I think it's going to be very like tangible like I wanted it to be something that like if if you have no idea who I am you can look at the cover art, listen to the music and just get it right away. And it's not something that you have to like think about too much, you know. What's interesting to me is like if if I heard you say that, like I might think that meant you needed to have like you said the red camera and all this like fancy high production value stuff, but the way like your stuff, you know, like I said, you you heard the podcast of Johnny, so I, I can say it like your stuff looks like shit. Yeah, like 
it's not fancy and it totally works. In fact, like I actually think it works better because it looks shitty. I don't, is that deliberate or you just work with what you have or tell me about that? Cause I think that's so fascinating. Part of it is just like, I honestly like don't care that much. I think that when you, when it's like that, when it's kind of shitty, it's more relatable for people. It totally is. Like I look at all these like bands that, uh, I talked about this on the podcast with uh, Adam, the bands that will bring a photographer out and and do all these like nice DSLR pictures. And every day they'll post a picture of them rocking out. And it it's really it's like there's not it's it's great. It's a great photo, but I feel nothing looking at it. Yeah, exactly. And like I I personally like the shittier looking pictures and videos and stuff like that. Like I um for that iPhone like video thing I did for Instagram, I um I purposefully turned down the quality to like 480 <laughs> instead of it being like I you know, cause you could do it at 720 or 4K yeah. or whatever, but I put it on 480 on purpose. Because it's real MySpace hours. Exactly. Like I, I'm thinking about like I wanted it to look like one of those videos on YouTube like early on that was like re uploaded like ten times yeah. to the point where it's just like so pixelated you don't even like know what one the fuck of those studio on. updates from some like obscure crab core band from 2007 yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I, I mean to me like this is what i want everyone to walk away from this conversation is not necessarily that they should like do what you do or that they should turn the quality down it's just to think about it all like creatively like you are and like if you're wondering why nobody is engaging with the fancy dslr photos because you didn't have anything to say yeah. Like there's nothing creative there and nobody gives a shit about a nicely edited photo. They care about like an idea and like some sort of emotional connection to it. Yeah. And and kids want something that they can relate to or like feel like they could do themselves, you know? And it's like them seeing me post this a stupid picture in front of a fucking stop sign just wearing a cool outfit. Which, by the way, I... I Absolutely. If it's a picture you're talking about wearing that weird black outfit, <laughs> that's like one of my favorite, th- my two favorite things on Instagram. I don't know if you've seen it, the picture of Charlie XCX with the giant tits. <laughs> yeah. It's my two favorite things are that and your picture of you wearing that bizarre like black thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Because they both just look so stupid and just weird. Yeah. I wanted to look like I was in the Matrix. I mean, I think there's something to be said for, I mean, you know, Johnny does this all the time with his like sweatpants uh, photos, you know, from Bill Murray. He always does those pictures where he like puts his arms in his sweatpants and pulls them up to his chest and it just looks so weird and stupid. And there's there's just something to be said for that. And I feel like for some reason, there's a lot of artists that just don't organically understand visual content. And that's just strange to me. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like if you are a creative type of person... I think that like you not I don't want to say you should have an understanding of both, but like you kind of should, you know, because just good music is not going to get you anywhere. Like nobody cares. Like there's a lot of good music that's being made and put out, but like it's everything else around it that is going to set you apart from everybody else. And like I mean, like Poppy is a good example of this, that people think of her as a musician now, but she put out all that social content for like fucking five years. Yeah, exactly. Before she ever recorded a note of music, as far as I know, anyway. Yeah. I think it's something that people should pay more attention to and should kind of hone their own visual style. Like, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be exactly one way or the other. It's just kind of figuring out what works for you and what you enjoy and what can help portray your art and music and vision uh, in the best way. 
And maybe for somebody, it is really fancy, slick, high production value images. I don't know. I feel like it works for some artists. But I don't think it's I don't think that's right for most people now, because like you said, that's kind of like, you know, how all the like artisanal like farm to table restaurants are cool now because people got tired of like mass produced fast food and stuff. I feel like content is kind of the same thing, like gritty, lo-fi kind of images and stuff, I think, are kind of the the visual equivalent of that because people are tired of all the slick, fancy stuff. And maybe it'll change again in the future. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll go up and down. I don't know. But uh, I, I do think that there's something to be said. You know, high production value stuff might work for someone. But I think for more people, at least listening to this, I think that the low production value stuff will probably work better for you. Yeah, I think that it also has to do with the fact that this whole, you know, it was a lot harder you know, 10 or more years ago to like do what I'm doing, you know, it was a lot more difficult to do everything yourself and to hone a fan base and to be able to live off of music and stuff like that. And I think that for a while, like the whole perfectly edited Photoshop pictures were kind of being pushed down people's throats so much so that like when this stuff started to come up, people started to realize like it felt a lot more human and like relatable. And I feel like that's why the tides have kind of turned a little bit because, you know, for so long, it was just like you were getting press shots of artists and concert pictures and, you know, stuff like that, where it's just like it makes it seem so distant. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's something that you can achieve or attain or really relate to. It's something that you can look up to. But like, I don't want people to like look up to me. You know, I want people to like relate to me and then understand that. I'm no different. Like, I just really fucking love music. And like, I was able to put the hours in and keep it going. And like, anybody can do that. Like, I don't want to seem like this untouchable figure. Like, I think that people are really tired of that. Yeah, I I think so too. Like being a flexor, for example, like I still see some people doing that. And it's like being a flexor is so uncool now. Yeah, people laugh at it. Like when people post pictures of Lamborghinis and like fucking all this like crazy shit on this beautiful Malibu house with a pool. I'm just, nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> like, like, cool. Congratulations. You're on an awesome trip. Like, why would I give a fuck? Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's really cool to kind of see how it's changed like that, you know, because I think the power is a lot more in the people's hands now uh, than ever. You know, it's like, I mean, you you know, you definitely saw it with the whole Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez thing with the Roddy Rich. You know, it's like mm-hmm. these are I'm not going to say manufactured artists, but they're seasoned pop artists that have been putting out music for way longer than Roddy Rich. You know, well, they're both a product of like the Disney kind of world. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's who they are. Yeah. And they, they both drop stuff and it didn't go to number one, you know, and it just goes to show you that it's like. These labels and, you know, these high grade pop artists that have been doing it for so long are not really dictating what people want anymore. They're not dictating the way the direction that music is going in because people are just they don't care. Like it it was it was really crazy to see how that all went down. And I think that's like the perfect example to show that, like how much shit has really changed and that you can't buy success like, dude, if fucking Bieber and Selena Gomez's teams can't make something number one, then nobody can. 
You know what I mean? I feel like right now it's more about, obviously it's more than the music, but it definitely is just about the music and what people want. And like who you are, like, do they connect with you as a human? Like Post Malone is a great example of this. Like people just love that guy. Yeah, exactly. And he makes great music too, but like, you know, there's nothing about him. He would have never had a career 25 years ago because no one would have ever taken a chance on him just because of the way he looks. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's another thing too, is like, I feel like back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it's like, I feel like you had to have a certain look and a certain amount of charisma and, you know, obviously that stuff is still important now, but I think now it, it doesn't matter as much. You know, you could be super goofy looking and make beautiful music and have great visuals and you could be you could have a number one hit, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're a cool person that people connect with, to me, that's what it's all about. And that's a good thing for, you know, for independent artists. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about which uh, I was reading in an interview a while ago. I don't remember which one it was, but you said something about how like people say, Oh, if I had your followers, you know, I would be really happy and everything would be great. And you said, well, I don't really care about that. And I don't feel any different than I did when I had like a thousand followers, which uh, I really, I, I was really interested in that because, you know, not that I'm like super successful or something, but there's been a few times in my career where I've achieved the thing where I was like, man, if only I would achieve X, then everything would be great. And I got there and I was like, I don't feel any fucking different at all. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm grateful for it. But like, there's no kind of, oh, I made it to the top of the mountain moment, at least not for me. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I guess I'll just kind of start it off with like how I started making music. You know, I started making music when I was like 13. Um I was making like EDM stuff, like asked my parents for a computer for Christmas and they got me and I was so hyped. And I remember, you know, putting out my first songs, the first time my song hit like a hundred plays, I was so happy. Like I was so gassed up. I was like freaking out. I was like, ma, look, a hundred people listen to my song. This is so crazy. And then, you know, 200, it's like, oh my God. And then it keeps kind of going and going and going. And then by the time, you know, I had a song with like a hundred K, I was just like, dope cool right you know and it's like i'm still i'm thankful for it but again i'm speaking for myself but i think that you know anybody that kind of deals with like mental health problems which is a hundred percent of creators <laughs> yeah i think that if you think that oh you know when i have a hundred thousand followers on instagram or if i get a million plays on a song like I'm going to be successful or I'm going to be this or that. I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to be depressed anymore. Uh, Like you're kind of like setting yourself up for disaster because I can say with confidence that like I've crossed off almost everything that I wanted to achieve when I first started making music, you know, down to like working with certain people and befriending certain people and like hitting certain milestones. But that's not like fulfillment for me. Like fulfillment for me is is making the music. And I think that once I realized that like, okay, like this whole numbers game or whatever, like is not really making me feel any better. And it's like, sometimes it even make me feel worse because there was a certain point, And this was, this was literally like three or four months ago where like my Spotify numbers were like teetering where it would like go up 3,000 and then go down 2,000 and then like it would go down more and then it would have a big jump and then it would go down a little bit and it was like freaking me out you know because you start to kind of like think about the number thing a little bit too much 
Like you see it go down, you're like, oh, that's it. Nobody likes me anymore. I'm done. I should just quit right now because I'm finished. Yeah, I'd be like, oh my God, you know, like it's going to keep going down and blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, but um, my friend said one thing to me that definitely kind of like pulled me out of that. And he was just like, well, it's never going to go down to zero. So <laughs> I think you'll be fine. And I was like, yeah, you know, and like obviously I'm grateful now that like it was able to have such a big jump. And another thing too with the whole following thing is, um, you know, when you first start, putting your stuff out there and you know you get your let's say you get your first positive comment on something you've created like that means so much to you in that moment because this is your first time putting anything out you know you're nervous and you're oh my god you know somebody likes it but then it gets to a point where there's so many comments that are positive that it, it's you you kind of get jaded and it's like yeah i'm always going to be appreciative of it because like i could have nothing you know so i'm always grateful to have something but then it gets to the point where the few people that say negative shit and they're like man this sucks kill yourself that'll like ruin your day like i'm at least least speaking for you know for me a hundred people said it was the best song they've ever heard three people said you suck kill yourself and you ignore the hundred people and just focus on the three yeah i do it Every single day, like 50 times. Yeah. And like, you know, in your head that like, it's dumb. Like, you know, in your head, like, man, this is like, why am I like focusing on this? Like, I have all yeah. these people that care. But like, I think what it, what it comes down to is like, I think that a lot of creators and artists are like empaths. So mm-hmm. you're making this music because you love it. And it means something to you. And nobody else knows what you've been through to make it. And nobody cares. Nobody's going to care, you know. And why would they? Yeah. Why would they? But the fact that like you know what went into it and then somebody comes along and is like this is fucking terrible like quit like that right. hurts because you're like oh, man i'm just trying to do what i love to do you know i'm not offending anybody you know but but then you also have to realize that a lot of those people are really sad people and they're probably going through stuff themselves so that's what how i've kind of learned to deal with it is um like recently when sometimes i, I usually don't look at dms just cuz it's kind of like exhausting but yeah. sometimes I'll look and if somebody says something negative, I'll literally respond to them and be like, have a good day, you know, because it's just like, what are you going to say to that? Right. Sometimes, you know, there's a few people that have like said something like shitty about like my appearance and I've replied to them and just been like, that's a really rude thing to say. Didn't it occur to you that that might hurt my feelings? And they're usually like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think you would see this. That That's happened to me. The same thing before especially like on Instagram and stuff where people will make comments about like my appearance or they'll be like, man, like, why are you so fucking short? And I'm just like, right, man, I don't know. Like, you know, or just, I, (laughs) I wish I knew. Yeah. I wish I knew. I wish I could just grow for you, man. But you know, and like a while ago, you know, I used to like get in, get into it and like, I'd respond back, like coming at them, you know, cause it's just like, it's natural. Yeah, you know, it's just like if somebody's like coming at you, you know, you're, you're, you're going to want to be like, you know, fuck you, suck my dick, you know? But like I started to realize that like that just makes you look like the asshole because you're the one with the influence and you're the one with mm-hmm. with the with the power, you know? So if I if somebody says some bullshit to me and I respond to it, 9 times out of 10, a bunch of my fans are going to come at that person, which I don't want to happen, you know, cuz that's just like then I'm no better than that person because now their day could be ruined because they have 10 people telling them that, you know, fuck you, suck my dick. Right. And it, it doesn't help anything, you know? So I think it's best to ignore it, but it definitely is difficult to kind of learn and ha- kind of get thick skin, especially like, 
because like when I was in fucking, I know it's very cliche, but when I was in school, you know, I got bullied and shit a lot. So it's like my parents taught me that I had to stand up for myself and like to not let anybody bitch me around. Hey, you're from uh, you're from Bergen County, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't play in Bergen County. I used to live there. Yeah, absolutely not. No, my mom. I'm I'm um I'm Italian and Dominican, so my mom is Italian, and you know that's two hot tempers. Plus, put it in New Jersey, and that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's some fire. Yeah, my mom used to get so pissed, and she would just be like, "No, don't let anybody like fucking push you around, like you know." And they're like, you know, if, if you get in a fight, you're not going to get in trouble at home. So if somebody talks shit, just <laughs> <laughs> shit like that. So, you know, that kind of stuck with me, you know, whether it's good or bad, I don't know, but it's definitely something I've been trying to work on. And I feel like I've gotten a lot better at dealing with. Yeah. Well, let me ask you one last thing on that before I let you go. This is something that I deal with a lot too, that I think it was also in that same interview where you said it was an interesting thing that you said that you'd get discouraged easily. Yeah. And I feel like I do too. Like literally every single day, probably half a dozen times a day, I think to myself, this is stupid. I suck. I should just give up. Yeah. I uh, deal with that a lot. I'm sure you, you probably know if you uh, follow me on Twitter. Because <laughs> um, I just feel like my brain is like from the minute I wake up to when I go to sleep, it's just constantly turning and going and going really really fast and it's like hard to keep up with so you know there's a lot of things that i'm thinking about and then you know my i you know i don't know if this is healthy or not i'm just giving you my honest feelings on it it's just like my i guess like self-worth for me is like music you know because it's like one of the only things that like i'm good at so if i try to make a song and it fucking sucks then i'm like Oh man, I'm I'm just a I'm just wasting it means space. I suck. Yeah, I suck, and I'm just like I'm just wasting space, you know. And it, and it really, really gets me down, especially just because you know, as a creator, it's like you're gonna go through kind of waves where, you know, for a couple weeks, you know, I'll record fucking like nine songs, and then it everything is fine, and then it'll get to a point where maybe I'm in a slump or like I'm just not feeling it or I'm in a bad mood for three days and I don't make anything for three days. And I think it's like the end of the world. And I'm like, Oh my yeah. God, like I'm not working hard enough. Like I'm not going to, like I'm going to be a failure if, if I just lay around all day and don't do anything. Like this is not the way to do things, you know? And I think that um, lately I've been just trying to find like a balance. Like I started going to the gym and like eating better and like trying to get my sleep schedule uh, adjusted um, better than it was before, you know, to kind of, you know, cause that in and of itself, not being able to create is like going to make me feel like shit. And then also if I'm fucking like eating McDonald's and drinking soda and just laying around all day, I'm going to feel even worse. So I've been trying to balance it out in a way, you know, but um, yeah, definitely do get discouraged a lot. And I feel like it's really hard for some people to comprehend, especially like if you're at a certain level, they're just like, well, why would you be discouraged if like you've gotten this far? But, you know, going back to what we said before, it's, I still feel the same as I did making music when I was in high school, pretty much, you know? So it's like that was happening when I was in high school too, where it's like, I wouldn't be able to make a song where I'd really, really be trying and just nothing is coming out. doesn't feel right. You know? Cause I feel like I kind of um, get into like a, the flow state, you know, where it's just everything <laughs> kind of like comes out. It, it almost feels like it's not even coming from me. Like it's just everything comes out. Cause the way I record, I like freestyle everything. So I'll, 
get on, you know, I'll pull up a beat or I'll make a beat and then I'll put the auto tune on and I'll just mumble the melodies and then I'll punch in every line thinking of the words. So, oh wow, like at, like you don't write lyrics ahead of time? Um no, I used to, but I stopped. Oh wow. So I do it like, you know, four bars at a time. I'll think of what to fill in and I kind of use like the reference track as like a guideline of like sometimes I don't follow it exactly, but it just gives me a general idea, but it's like when I'm in that flow state and when I do the the mumbling uh mumbling the melody thing it just feels good yeah and like it feels right and then when i write the words it just feels right and then it just the song will be finished in like 20 minutes and that's usually how i can gauge if like i'm having an on or off day is when i do the freestyle thing if i listen to it back and i don't like anything any melody that's in there i just close my computer because i know that like it's just not my day. You know, I might try it one or two more times, but usually when I do that, I feel even worse because I'm just like, man, I'm really trying and it's just not working, you know? <laughs> but yeah, and I, I think it's really, it's an interesting thing because like I know a lot of other artists that have similar kind of workflows where it just, it's like a different type of feeling, you know, that it just feels like I'm tuned into some something that's just like feeding me music. It's a flow state. That's what it is. It's real. Yeah, so when I'm like not in that, I like can't make music at all, you know, and it can suck. But I think that, you know, just trying to occupy your time with other things. I've been trying to do more like graphic design and designing merch to kind of like fill in those gaps because I know, you know, this is always going to happen. I'm not going to be able to make music every day of my life. And if I did, a lot of the songs would suck. So don't just lay around in bed eating McDonald's and smoking weed all day. It's not going to make you feel better. Oh, hell no. Yeah. And I stopped smoking weed like eight months ago. I haven't, uh, that was, that was definitely weighing me down a lot, especially creatively, I feel like, which is kind of the opposite of what a lot of people say, but. I think a lot of people say things that may not necessarily match reality. Yeah. Cause you know, I feel like, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh man, you know, I just, I smoke a blunt and then I just go record and it's, it's so this or that but like every time i would try to i'm not gonna say i never made a song while i was high because that'd be a lie but like a lot of times i'd be super high and i would like focus on one thing for way too long that did not need to be focused on and it's just holding up the process you know or i would just get so high that i'd be i'd like wake up and i'd be like oh i'm gonna make a song today and then i would smoke and i'd be like uh nah i think i'm gonna watch like halo 2 playthroughs on youtube instead you know (laughs) I remember once I spent three hours drawing a wave on this thing where the wave was just one little small part of it that didn't even really matter. Yeah. I spent like three hours on this wave and then I woke up the next day and I was like, what the fuck was I doing? And the wave looks like shit, by the way. It didn't even turn out well. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely happened with music a couple of times where like I was super, super high, like off like an edible or something and I made a song and I was like, this is the best thing ever. Like, this is so fucking sick. And then I wake up the next day and I'm like, this is horrible. Like, (laughs) nobody should ever hear this. I want to delete it. Like, this is God awful. Like, (laughs) All right, well, uh, we're running out of time here. I got to jump off, but uh, really excited we got a chance to do this. Would love to have you on again sometime. Um, Is there anything that you want to get out there before I let you go? Yeah, my album, Cyber Network, it's coming out 2020, sooner than later. I can't give an exact release date yet, but it's coming very soon. Very excited. I appreciate you for having me on because I'm a big fan. Awesome. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. 
If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works, too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast <laughs>